0: Welcome to Farm Chica's next podcast on something that I just learned about in my trip down to southern United States of America. I learned about the great old muscadine. Muscadine, do you ask? That is a grape, which is indigenous to America. Join me as I share a little bit of its history give you a science lesson and just give you some ideas on how you can do muscadines or how you can get your hands on those if you don't live in the southern part of the United States. Welcome to Farm Chica, the podcast dedicated to providing a holistic model for promoting sustainable lifestyles and ways to engage in traditional methods of homesteading. Join me René Delgado Riley, a native-born New Mexican, as I share how I respect Mother Nature through easy-to-apply tips that anyone can do. Through this podcast, I hope to inspire you to tap into your ancestral roots and live a more traditional, simple life that focuses on sustainability and respect to the earth. So join me as I share 20 to 30-minute tips that anyone can do. So France can have its Cabernet and any of their other famous wines that they do, Chardonnay, but here in the United States of America, we have our own grapes, wild Muscadine grapes. This grape history is super rich to our country. It's native, it's indigenous to the Americas, and these have been utilized for over 400 years. First, of course, by Native Americans, and then by the immigrating settlers, and now into today in southern United States of America and the southeastern part of our country, they definitely are being utilized today. So not to be confused with a muscat grape, this grape is often shunned in the wine world as an outcast, as an imposter. And although muscadine wines are unsophisticated, taste a little off, if you look beneath the surface and really interested in exploring the secrets that this grape holds to exploring the southeastern part of the United States, you'll want to admit it's an important grape to American history. And it's time to reintroduce awesome world to the wonders of the Muscadine grape. So Native Americans dried the wild Muscadine grapes long before European settlers even discovered the continent. They used the grapes not only as a food source, but as a source for blue dye for different clothing and different items that they needed dying. In today's world, muscadine grapes have made their way back into pies, jellies, and of course, the famous southern muscadine wine. Early English settlers uh, marveled at the abundance of these awesome muscadine vines growing from all over the hills to the plains and even up the cedar trees. So mild, wild muscadine grapes are known as southern fox grapes, or really there's just a different variety of a muscadine called a scuppernog, which is kind of a funny way to say that. I had no idea what that was um, when I was at a farmer's market in the south. I looked at a type of jelly and it was called muscadine. And I was like, wow, that's uh, very interesting. <laughs> um, and it was called scuppernog. I was like, what the heck is scuppernog? But at any rate, the reason why the, it was named scuppernog is after the area it was discovered in North Carolina, who really originally dubbed this bronze variety of, as a big white grape. And as time passed, the name scuppernog became synonymous with all muscadine grapes. And it's actually a fallacy in that the scuppernog is only one of a number of cultivars. Dark-fruited muscadines are more reliably referred to as bullis, and it's in variations. It can have a bullet grape or a bull grape. And while scuppernog and the thomas, which are black, are the most recognizable cultivars of the muscadine grapes, a 100 years of breeding and yielding new and improved varietals, such as the Dorings, Magnolia, Nesbit, Noble, and Regal are all self fruitful so other cultivars that exist are higgins fry and the list goes on so outside of the famous muscadine wine actually scientists recently so at least 400 years after the european settlers identified these prolific vines they've realized that muscadine grape contains large amounts of resveratrol which has been noted in both french red and white wines as being able to lower cholesterol and lower your risk of heart disease. So, cheers to that. Go take some, go find some muscadine wine and cheers to that. It's considered a health food. So, did you know that most of the wines that we drink today, Cabernet, Merlot, Chardonnay, all come from grapevines in the area of the Mediterranean? So, when Spanish, French, and English explorers settled in America, Um, They didn't know anything about the Muscadine grapevine, so needing wine to deal with the hardships of living in the New World, absolutely tough to live off the land without um, being in the 21st century, Uh, but also for carrying out religious ceremonies, primarily in the Catholic Church. Muscadine finally was cultivated for wine production. Yes, wine production began in early, early 16th century America due to the Catholic Church. So muscadine had a very distinct taste from the grapes that our European explorers and settlers and all of the above were used to back in Europe. So a lot of sugar was added to make the wine more palatable. But although back in the day, I'm sure all wine tasted pretty gnarly because they didn't kill the wild yeast and they just went with the wild yeast that they gave it sugar and it made ethanol. And sometimes it probably tasted like vinegar. So at any rate, they put a lot of sugar into this. And so the tradition um, kind of carried into modern times. And so muscadine wine is it has a reputation for being really sweet and hence why it gets confused with the muscat wine. However, there's a handful of winemakers who truly understand how to craft that really good, balanced wine that really keeps the history of the muscadine alive. So what's really, really cool about the muscadine is it's a really healthy grape. In addition to... Having high amounts of resveratrol, it also has high amounts of the micronutrient polyphenols. And one of these polyphenols are tannins, which is a type of micronutrient that provides wine its body structured and kind of just the overall feeling of tasting like a wine. This is what you add to many other wine recipes. Um, You can also add raisins because they're high in tannins. And if you've often read or heard that drinking red wine has health benefits when you drink in moderation, of course, it's because the polyphenols, these compounds, support heart health and act as antioxidants. The reason why muscadine vines have been overgrown is because they just provide a different uh, palatable type of wine that historically um, the Europeans who came to the Americas were not accustomed to. Also, a lot of the natives um, did not use them quite a bit for a food source because the skins of this fruit are super thick and it just made it really hard um, to make use of it for food. So a lot of the vines just became overgrown weeds. Also, another benefit of muscadines is phylloxera. It's a tiny insect, and it's caused devastating effects on traditional grapevines that originated from the Mediterranean. And so essentially, this little insect feeds off that vine, introduces a fungal infection, which almost always kills the vine up until its root. So apparently, in the 1800s, an epidemic of these swept over Europe and crippled the wine industry. And it's, so, it's something that today winemakers are, and growers are very uh, thoughtful and cognizant of because it can definitely impact their entire crop. However, muscadine grapes have developed an adaptation in which it produces a sticky residue, which doesn't only protect it from the environmental microbes, but kind of acts as a natural insect repellent. So this has caught the attention of many American winemakers who've actually used muscadine rootstock to help grow along their traditional vines. So they've actually been planting muscadine rootstocks along the traditional grapevines to kind of prevent that. So interesting enough, in doing the research for this podcast, muscadines, love hot, humid climates. So apparently regular grapes love cool, dry climates for the most part, hence why we see the wine industry in the United States of America and more dry regions. Or if you look into Europe and and different parts of the world, wine um, grapes are grown in more dry, cooler climates that are arid. So there's obviously exceptions to this rule. There are some varietals of grapes that favor warmer climates but for the most part muscadine grapes are very unique in that they truly thrive in an environment where almost all other grapes cannot it's hot and wet so that's why you find muscadine in the entire southern part of the united states in fact it's the only grape variety that can actually grow in this climate and so although The muscadines are um, quite adaptable. Um, They can still grow in other places. Like they've been found in Delaware, which is much cooler. And as far as West Texas, which is significantly drier and more hot. So because muscadine makes a home in the hot and humid climate, that's where they're originally from, it can have varying quality and sugar content from season to season depending on the environment. And that goes for a lot of other things you grow. They can be impacted by climate. So the lack of cooler temperatures also reduces the amount of acidity, acidity in the grapes. Unfortunately, somebody who's not a skilled winemaker can often overlook these variations and apply the same technique. Which out without taking in consideration the nuances of this grape because it does change depending on the climate, so hence why um, there's a lot of bad reputation with muscadine wine as being subpar, and it could just be different from year to year. Wine growers will grow a certain varietal and they can be consistent when they're venting that wine to have the same. Flavor profile, unfortunately, muscadine wine is a little more susceptible to environments, and so it's just going to throw off the flavor profile. But as growing a muscadine is just a really kind of cool thing to do because you're growing an indigenous plant to the Americas in the United States of America. And if you live somewhere else in the world where it's hot, humid, and um, you want to plant a muscadine, hey, why not try out an American or- original? And thanks to modern research and modern universities that have extension programs that understand the environment, the University of Florida and University of Georgia have spent a lot of time and money and energy understanding and, and understanding how to cultivate and breed for commercial use different strains of muscadine. And right now there are over 300 different strains. These strains vary in sugar content, acidity, tannins, polyphenols, skin color, and flavor. Of course, the most popular varietals of muscadines to grow are Noble, Carlos, Thomas, Black Beauty, and of course, that good old scupper nog because it just sounds kind of fun to say it. Anyway, on back to the muscadine. Muscadine wines come in wa- white, red, and rosé, and they range anywhere from dry to very sweet. Uh, sometimes they're mixed with other fruits to add just different flavor profiles. You can even find a port-style dessert wine. I don't drink any sweet wine, so I'm not huge muscadine wine fan I, I tried a few varietals and they were okay um the drier one was definitely a lot more palatable for me and actually the scupper nog was actually pretty decent so when pairing with food look to traditional southern fare if you're enjoying a muscadine wine because why not you want to have biscuits and gravy and some greens with those meals or some fried green tomatoes which were really really great um if you are going to enjoy red of course um smoked meats are always good and just a small little history lesson, Roanoke Island is actually home to the oldest known grapevine of muscadines in the United States. It's a 400-year-old scuppernog mother vine and has a trunk two feet thick and once stretched across half an acre. So growing muscadine grapes. Well, you can buy grapevines pretty much anywhere online. Any nursery will have them for you. You should definitely plant these in an area of full sun and well-drained soil. And for maximum muscadine production, the vine should be in full sun for most of the day, shaded areas, and um, those kind of reduce your fruit. So definitely you wanna make sure they're in full sun. And of course the well-draining soil is of real importance just with any fruit or tree. Vines will die if they're in standing water for a long period of time, such as a heavy rainstorm. So it's good for them. They're fine to be wet, but you just want to make sure that that soil drains. Um, also, um, muscadine grape requires between a soil pH of 5.8 and 6.5. So definitely, if you're interested in doing a soil test, you can adjust for that. There's lots of things that you can add to the soil to definitely increase or decrease that pH. So plant muscadine grapes in the spring after all freezing temperatures have passed, and you want to plant that vine at the same depth or a little deeper than it's in the pot that you get it from its nursery. So multiple vine planting, you want to make sure you space the plants a minimum of 10 feet, aka three meters apart, are better still 20 feet, six meters apart, just so you can give them enough time to grow. Um, They'll um, definitely keep growing, and they'll eventually um, need the ability to trellis. So trellising is important. They're, after all, a vine, so they definitely need something to climb up. So decide what trellis system works best for your um, area of planting, but they definitely need an ability to climb up something. You also need to account for that your trellis system has to take into account those permanent parts of the vine, the arms that need annual pruning. A single wire, number nine, five to six feet or 1.5 to two meters above the ground and anchored on both sides is a simple and easy trellis construct. And of course, you can construct double-wired trellis. It just really depends on your engineering. Um, in this case, you'll attach a four foot one meter cross arms of two by six inch, five by 15 centimeter. Treated lumber to treated post to support those double wires. And of course, muscadine grapes can be used as a shade provider or a pergola or an arch as well. They're definitely beautiful plants. And even if you're not going to use their fruit, they're definitely nice to have around. They will need an organic fertilizer. Um, It's important to give them that extra kind of boost. Um, Usually you wanna fertilize in early March, May, and July. And you wanna keep the fertilizer 21 inches away from the trunk of the vine. You're really just fertilizing the soil. And I'm not an expert in growing muscadine grapes because I'll admit I've never grown them. I've just done some research, but I have grown grapes before. So you might need to add some magnesium because grapes definitely need this. So Epsom salt is something or you can look into your local nursery if they have any organic magnesium that you can add on there. That's not going to harm anything in your environment. You also want to make sure you keep it weed free and you just want to keep an eye out for any Japanese beetles. Um, as I said earlier, muscatine grapes are very pest resistant, but sometimes Japanese beetles love a nibble and so do birds. And so you can drape netting over the vines like you would with any other berry plant. So what to do with all those muscadine plants once you actually have some fruit? And of course you want to eat them because remember they're high in antioxidants and super healthy. So what are you going to do? Well, I think the easiest thing to do is to make some homemade muscadine jelly that you can put on those buttermilk biscuits. Um, I'm the type of person, if I grow something or if I see a tree or a bush, anything with something edible, to me, it's a sin to not do something with it. So you want to pick through your muscadines if you're fortunate enough to have them, or if you're in the southeastern part of the United States and you head up to a farmer's market and you buy some muscadines, you probably know more than me so I don't need to school you on this, but you want to take about five pounds of muscatine, which is going to produce about five cups of juice. Again, just with any other podcasts and making jams and jellies, you never want to double a recipe. You want to make small batches. So you want to cover those muscadines with water and place it on the cooktop. Um, and once you cover it with water, um, you definitely want to get most of it submerged. While muscadines are beginning to simmer, you want to mash them with a potato masher And you kind of just continue mashing until they cook for about 15 minutes and then you strain them through a sieve and you get that awesome juice. Then you're going to take that juice back to a roiling boil. You're going to add some pectin, a little bit of lemon juice, and as much sugar as you want. For every five cups of juice, I add six cups of sugar, one box of pectin and about a tablespoon of lemon juice. And you're just going to cook that down until it gels up. And you're going to put that in some nice sanitized canning jars. And you're going to water bath can those um, for 5 to 15 minutes, depending on your altitude. And honestly, like I said, I've never grown muscadine grapes. But I think another great recipe in all my searches and research for this podcast is muscadine pie which kind of looks like a cherry pie. So you wanna take six cups of muscadine grapes, half cup water, cup sugar, a fourth cup cornstarch, an egg, some orange zest, vanilla extract, cinnamon you'll need, and a little bit of whipping cream, some turbinado sugar, and of course, you need an awesome recipe for a crust, or you can buy one at the store. So what's important about baking with muscadines is you want to, as I said earlier, a lot of the Native Americans did not eat the muscadine because the skin was super thick. So you wanna separate the pulp from the, um, separate the hulls from the pulp of the grapes. And an easy way to do this is just have a light slice from what I've read online and what I've seen on YouTube. You slightly slice the grape and you squeeze out the yummy pulp. You then wanna place those grape hulls with a half a cup of water. So again, you're starting with six cups of muscadine grapes. And so you're gonna take those grape hulls and a half cup water in a medium saucepan, And then you're gonna place the grape pulp in a separate medium saucepan, And you're gonna bring both pans to boil over medium heat. You're gonna cook both for about 15 minutes, stirring them pretty frequently, and then you're gonna remove them both from heat. Then you're gonna take that hall mixture and you're gonna stir a cup of sugar into it and go ahead and place that aside. You're gonna take the pulp mixture and strain it through a fine mesh sieve, such as a chinois or any kind of jelly strainer, and you're gonna discard those solids. Once you get that all kind of um, together, you're gonna to take that pulp juice and add it to that whole mixture. And so now you have this whole mixture mixed with this pulp juice. You're gonna put that in a blender or you can take an immersion blender and break it into smaller pieces you don't want to puree it you just want it chunky and then you're going to pour that mixture in a large bowl and stir in the cornstarch egg zest vanilla and cinnamon so once you get your crust together that you've chosen for this you're going to pour your filling in and put that dough on top you can do a lattice crust design, or you can just have the single layer. It's up to you. But then you're going to brush that dough with a little bit of heavy cream and sprinkle with turbinado sugar, or you can take an egg wash mixture with an egg and some water, uh, brush it on your pie crust, and add in some turbinado sugar. And go ahead and place that pie on a rim baking sheet just because the pies like to overflow sometimes, and I'm guilty. I've made a mess in my oven many times with many other kinds of root pies and you're going to bake it for 20 minutes um, at 425 and then you're going to reduce the oven temperature to 375 and bake until that crust is golden brown and bubbly in about 30 minutes more so let it cool for 45 minutes before serving if any of you all have muscadines you want to share with me i am looking um, here in the pacific northwest and even when i go home to new mexico I don't know where I'm going to get muscadine grapes unless I grow them myself, so I may have to place an order for some grapes. Thank you for listening to Farm Chica's podcast, focusing on the indigenous grape to the Americas, the muscadine. I hope you're inspired to learn a little bit more about muscadines like I was and be inspired. So good luck to you all, and thank you for listening.